Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. I'm Rebecca Levy, co-founder of KidsViews.com, and I'm here in the studio today with Amy Ostan of SelfishMom.com. Hello. Hi, Amy. And today we have a special guest because Andrea's not here. We have Nancy Friedman, also co-founder of KidsViews.com. Such a coincidence. I'm in a KidsViews sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Amy is in the middle. I guess maybe we'll put up a picture of that. We could have periscoped it and then everyone would have seen you. Amy, you're stuck in the middle. (laughs) Um, Today we have, we're like an all internet article podcast today. Yeah. So the first one was a New York Times article that we're going to dive into, which was an op-ed piece, but it was really long for an op-ed piece. I mean, it was, I printed it, it was like eight pages printed, (laughs) called Stop Googling, Let's Talk. Um, And then our second topic is going to be Halloween, because every year we have this wonderful discussion about inappropriate Halloween costumes, but this one's a little different, I thought. It's not just about like skanky uh, Halloween costumes or your teenager dressing inappropriately. So we're going to tackle Halloween since it is October already, which is shocking. And then we'll have our bites of the week. So let's jump in. Um, This was in the New York Times Sunday Review on September 27th. And it was written by Sherry Turkle, who is an MIT professor, and it was called Stop Googling, Let's Talk. And basically the gist of the article was that people, I guess kids in particular, are lacking empathy, lacking the ability to form friendships, as are adults, (laughs) because they are constantly looking at their phones, filling their gaps with staring at their phones, can't be alone, And just the presence of a phone on a table, even if you're not checking it, texting, whatever, actually creates a different kind of conversation flow and a different, I don't know, I guess, way of being together. And it was really interesting because she had the stats to prove it. She wasn't just some crazy lady ranting about how technology is destroying our ability to connect with one another. Um, But... This was, she said, 89% of cell phone owners said they used their phones during the last social gathering they attended. But 82% of them said they felt the way they used their phones hurt the conversation. So even though they're doing it, they feel bad about it. Um, And I just, this was the saddest part. So she said, one 15-year-old I interviewed at summer camp talked about her reaction when she went out to dinner with her father and he took out his phone to add, quote unquote, facts to their conversation. Daddy, she said, stop Googling. I want to talk to you. That is so sad. That's what my son does. He will take, like, if, if, if we're talking about something and nobody knows the answer, instead of just trying to figure it out, he'll use that as an excuse to whip out his phone. We'll be like, whoa, 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 get your, you know, put your phone away. We're at dinner. And he'll be like, but we have to know the answer. Like, it's, we don't. Like, sit there and, and be confused for a little while. Yeah, and argue about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those arguments are interesting. But they, I, I can't remember the number, and I maybe I can find it, and we can put it up in the post afterwards, but I do remember reading some insane number of people who admitted to being on their phones at a funeral. 
uh, the service. And yeah. it's a problem at churches and synagogues that people are just on their phones all the time. You know, when you go to a bar mitzvah in the city, they always ask for like a parent volunteer to sort of troll the aisles and to get kids off their phones because they're all sitting there texting each other. And But it's not just the kids. That's well, the problem. That's right. the point of this article. So sadly, I was at a funeral last week and it was the first funeral that I had been to since I was like 17. So I really didn't know what to expect. Oh, wow, you're lucky. I'm incredibly lucky. Uh, well, my grandmother died, but we she she had it in a will she didn't want a funeral. So this this was the first one. So we gave our kids huge lectures on the way there about how their phones cannot be seen at all. Like if if you're tempted, I will put it in my purse, you know, but you know, they could bring them cuz we had like an hour and a half drive there and back. Um I was surprised by how many people, how many adults did have them out during the funeral. I I don't know. I just feel like that's a place where, you know, it, like if there is going to be any place in the universe where you're going to keep your phone in your purse, that would be it. And it wasn't. See, I, I know she has these statistics. And actually, the most shocking fact um, I mean, the fact that people all use their phones and then they feel bad about it, that's not a surprise. I mean, we all do stuff that we feel, I feel bad that I, you know, ate that piece of bagel. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not going to not do it, but it, but it's, we all do stuff that we feel bad about and we're all very addicted to our technology. But what surprised me is that she said studies show that even having the phone on the table, even if you're not using it, that that affects the quality of the conversation. Yeah. That I, really I surprised that. me. I, I don't totally find that it. hard to I, believe. I think, it, I think people are a little bit on edge wanting what to look at the phone. Yeah. yeah, Or they're like looking at it kind of out of the corner of their eye or waiting for, this is what she said, the lull in the conversation where people felt like they could then pick up their phone. Well, right. I think it depends on the situation. Like if I go out to dinner with my husband, we have our phones with us because the kids are you know, home or somewhere and I'll put it in my pocket on vibrate or on the table on vibrate so that if the kids need us, I will know that it rings. But then it doesn't come out. If I'm at lunch with you guys, we're on our phones half the time. We don't care. It's just like it's 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 an understood thing. I've stopped taking my phone out when I'm a, when I'm at a meal with friends. Anywhere I have the ringer on. If somebody's I'm going to be watching you now. Well, you don't count. All right, because you have your phone out. Um, but I was thinking about that. I was at breakfast with my friends the other day, and I was like, it was a conscious decision for all of us to like keep our phones away because you don't there is nothing that urgent right like if someone need if someone who really need to get a hold of me they would call right nobody calls anymore so if my phone rings then i know it's probably the school nurse like you know like right. it's the school nurse do you ever but, do the phone stack where everybody puts their phone in the stack and the first person to reach for it. Because yeah, they I pay. feel like that is almost worse like you're all looking at the stupid phone stack and very aware of it um I don't know. This is one of the things. So one of the things, it was interesting because you were talking about how your kids had their phones with them because they had this long drive. Yeah. So one of the things she talks about in this article is that if you don't know how to be alone and silent in your head, then you always feel lonely. Right. Which I thought that was so poignant and profound. And they did this experiment, and this made me, this was what I thought was crazy. People were asked to sit in a chair and think without a device or a book. They were told that they would have from 6 to 15 minutes alone. That's it. And that the only rules were that they had to stay seated and not fall asleep. In one experiment, many students' subjects opted to give themselves mild electric shocks <laughs> rather than sit alone with their thoughts. <laughs> I, I That's mean, crazy. That That is crazy. But on the flip side, like, 
having something to do on an hour and a half car drive is awesome. Like we used to take these drives down to Florida and oh my God, I would have killed for like even a portable TV, you know, which, which didn't exist back then. And so there has to be some kind of happy medium where you can learn to be alone for short periods of time, but doing it for longer is just like kind of pointless and torture. But think about how many people text and drive. And part of it is that feeling of you have to be connected to your phone all the time. You're used to having looking at your phone all the time. And there's no way for you to separate. And it's, it is an extension of that. I mean, I agree with you. I think the airplane, I think there are lifesavers, iPads on, on in those situations. But I think the fact that you always need it, that like that idea of just being able to sit and space out. And they talk a lot about summer camp in here, which we've talked about before. And how these kids in this article, it's like the greatest thing that ever happened to them was right. not being on their devices. I mean, they don't talk about the nature they saw. They don't talk about anything. They talk about what it was like to be separated from the technology and how great it was and how much better their friendships were because of it. I wrote a piece this summer called The Last Tech Summer and it's The Last Tech Tech Free Free Summer because it's my kids are finished with camp and it's seven weeks of enforced zero technology. They don't have a computer center. They don't have video screens they don't have you get your phone for an hour a day you get nothing you get a phone call with your parents a couple times a summer and that's the extent of your connection and I do think that at some point they will look back in their lives and realize what a gift that was yeah and I'm a big pro-technology person but I think that it enables it's not a coincidence I mean part of it is just camp but Part of it is it's not a coincidence that the most meaningful friendships they've developed have been where there was no technology present. They were forced to connect. But you've got that on one end of the spectrum and then people texting while driving on the other. Like, I don't, I feel like these are not two ends of the same thing. Like, if you're texting while driving, you're an asshole who's not taking responsibility, you know? But I think also you don't see you don't see how that's even possible. You're so used to having your phone on all the time and people reaching you all the time that when you are a kid growing up with, and look, plenty of it's millions of adults that are just texting while they're driving because they feel like they can do it because, oh, they put, the, they put the phone up above the steering wheel while and, they're texting. Right. And the car bizarre. companies are encouraging it by right. building the texting yes. things into the cars so that, oh, you won't be using your hands, but we'll read it to you and then you can answer. It's not the hands. I got so aggravated back when, when, when laws were made that you, you had to go hands-free because all of the studies at the time showed that it was the attention, not the hands. Right. So having a hands-free device didn't matter. Having the car read the text to you doesn't matter. It's the attention. There right. was Although some, you're not staring down at a screen. The but, people staring down at right. a screen. There was insane. some car commercial recently that my daughter and I both at the same time were like, what? Because they're showing like, no, integrated technology. And they show on the dashboard screen, Facebook. Yeah. Right. Like, what? Why would you do that? Right. Yeah, and you can answer this with just a press of a button. Right. That is not the direction we should be going right. in. Right. And it, but it, you look, it, it's, you know, we've been calling, we, we've been calling the blogosphere the wild, wild west. This is the wild, wild west. This is, we're going to look back on this as this like quaint beginnings of technology. And people have to figure it out. And I hopefully it's not going to take, you know, hundreds of thousands of people dying in car accidents over well, decades. Well, but that's why driverless end. cars are the way to go. So forget about the car for a second. and Because the bigger ramification of all of this is, is the empathy. They found a 40% decline in empathy among college students, most of it taking place after 2000. After the introduction of phones, after the introduction of smartphones, that there is something about 
not as much as we feel like those are connections online and kids are making real connect you know we all talk about that all the time but it's not it's not eye contact it's not reading facial cues it's not reading social cues and it is truly becoming a generation of kids who don't have empathy and don't know how to see hurt in someone else that is frightening and I do think that has really long-term consequences for a society that is already like fractured and building their own little echo chambers online that if you can't recognize in someone else that you've hurt their feelings, that's that's like a sociopath. Well, well they have I mean, smiley faces for that. <laughs> right. Yeah, if you're living life in emoji. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty crazy. All right. I'm going to talk for a second about Kumon. <laughs> we're gonna take. We're gonna talk for a minute about how you help your child succeed in life, and that every parent wants their kid to have the best chance to succeed in life, and that is why every parent needs to know about Kumon math and reading programs created in Japan almost 50 years ago. The Kumon method has worked for thousands of kids around the world. In fact, most Kumon students are studying above grade level. That's because, in unlike sitting in front of a teacher and passively taking notes. Don't passively do anything. That's our lesson for today. Kumon actively helps kids develop critical self-learning skills as they advance at their own pace. So students from as young as age three, I had those workbooks for my kids at age three. I will, I'm going to totally admit right here. They had like the shapes one and because they had really bad fine motor skills. They had really good like certain fine motor skills, but not like holding a pencil and stuff. So Uh we had like these little shape ones and like animal ones, I don't know. Um, But they can gain valuable academic advantage. See, it worked for my daughters. That can (laughs) propel them throughout school into college and beyond. See what Kumon can do for your child by visiting a free parent orientation. For a limited time, you can save up to $50 on free registration at kumon.com. That's K-U-M-O-N.com. Kumon, where smart kids get smarter. And I bet they make them put their phones away, too. <laughs> Offers valid at participating centers only. Most Kumon centers are independently owned and operated. All right, so what's our solution? I, I don't know, because I'm still not... Gra- like, there's something in my brain that can't wrap itself around the cause and effect of this. Like, Me I, too. I, I don't... Just because it coincides with the year 2000. I don't... I mean, I, I'm sure that... I'm sure that this ability to converse with people and insult people, especially online, without really seeing in a real way, in a concrete way, even like after bullying someone online, then you hear they killed, you're not seeing the hurt in their face. I'm sure that has had an effect. But what, what does that mean, a 40% decline in empathy? I, I just find it. I don't it, know how that's measured. Yeah, I, I find, I think that's a larger societal problem that, yes, social media has probably played a hand, but that also has to do with there's probably more families where both parents are working. There's, pro- there's also been an economic slump during that time in this country where parents were more distracted and weren't spending as much time talking to their kids. I, you know, I, I feel like the cause and effect is not, so, is never so clear in sociological studies, but. This just seems a little too, like, it's because of the Internet. It just seems well, a little much. Well, I think much. it's not even just... I don't think they're saying it's the Internet. I think they're saying it's our inability to disconnect and have that personal time, that we are all expecting to fill our time every second of every day doing something. So when you used to just... There is... There are millions of studies that for creativity to happen, right? you need to be shut off. Well, somebody some on ABC this morning, the way he put it, he said, you know, if I'm in a ball game with my, with my child and there's a lull in the conversation, I'm tempted to take out my phone and fill that and it doesn't give it, you need time for things to develop. 
You yeah. know, the lull is is the time for a conversation to start. Right. And look, back to your example of the car. We always used to say the car is the best place for those conversations. Your kids are in the back seat. They're not making eye contact. Those conversations are not going to happen if your kids are plugged into a device. Yes, for the first half hour. But then mm-hmm. I want the devices yeah, for like the course. next 800 miles. But I mean, to, but just in general, if, if you're someone who's in the car 20 minutes every day with your kid, I'm not talking about a long road trip, but like if every second of that time is just filled with everyone on their own personal device, there is no chance for that conversation to happen. So I think it's more about families recognizing that they need to create those spaces for those conversations to happen and we talk about this a lot the dinner table should not have technology at it like Ever. it shouldn't even be a question and one of the kids in the article said, oh i was just gonna say this yeah he said they're raising he wants to raise his kids the way his parents are pretending they're raising yeah them. the way they well, think they're yes. raising him which is no technology at the dinner table and at their ball games and at that but that's not what his parents are actually doing we I, really have no technology at the dinner table and i have either. to say it's not even like a rule or it just is. Like I don't I honestly don't think it would occur it would occur to any of us to whip out our phones if the four of us are sitting down to dinner. I, I took my phone out yesterday last night at dinner just because they got the order wrong. So like as we were eating I was calling saying, oh, well, Hey, you different. messed this up and like but that's it. Like right. otherwise, Never. yeah, nobody would, would it's not allowed. It's just a rule. And I think part of the problem as I'm thinking about it I think it's that I'm old enough that I lived so much of my life without technology that I developed the ability to be still and to be by myself and not be bored, you know, if I have like an hour to wait somewhere without without technology. So I know that I can do it. I don't like to do it. There's no point in doing it. But when I have to do it, I can. And I think that I've made my kids do it enough that they can if they have to. And maybe these other kids, they're just, they're not being made to do it Ever. Well, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. It sounds, and it sounds like because their parents are doing it. Yeah. Got to lead by example. And that's what I don't understand. Like, the, we're talking about parents who are our age. Like, didn't those parents develop these abilities? Well, I, I think it's just a whole do as I say, not as I do, and that doesn't work. Right. I also yeah. think it's just so second nature. People don't even realize when they're on their, their devices. Right. They yeah. don't even know it. Right. Um, all right. With that, we will wrap up. Let us know what you think. Tell us on your on our Facebook page while you're driving and answering Facebook, and you can tell us. Solve this problem for us, please. Yeah, really. All right, we'll be back with topic two Halloween. Yay. Bring out the sexy toddler costume. <laughs> to play it a new podcast network featuring radio and tv personalities talking business sports tech entertainment and more play it at play.it talking tech apps entertainment and issues around parenting the digital generation this is parenting bites with rebecca levy all right we are back with halloween topic two so we should um, make scary sounds. <laughs> it's about to get really scary because you're about to talk about sexy cop costumes for toddlers. Um, so I really was like, all right, we're not going to do a segment on sexy whatever costumes. But then this letter went around on Facebook and this mom ended up on the Today Show talking about it. She wrote an open letter to Party City after she went on to look at Halloween costumes. And it is it was pretty unbelievable because she wasn't talking about the nine and ten year old sexy fairy costume. She yes, was t- because that's totally yeah, appropriate. That, that's well, nine year old to be sexy. But she was looking for her three year old, I guess. So that's this is where it got really weird. And her whole thing was about 
professions and kids who aspire to wear a like profession uniform, basically, which was big enough as it. And she said, 30% of the costumes you market to boys are based on occupations, but just under 7% of the costumes you market to girls are based on occupations. And That's were they, and it crazy. seemed like where there were occupational costumes for girls, it wasn't the actual uniform. It was yes, a girl. Right. So it's not so much sexy as sexist. Say, right. Yeah. Exactly. They yeah. weren't really, it wasn't really a sexy cop. It Except was just that she was holding weird. out handcuffs well, yeah, in a pose. very yeah. provocative oh, pose that was bizarre. Was you don't even see the handcuffs on the boys' costume. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But so, so like, when have you ever walked down a New York City street and seen a female cop in a dress? You right. know, like, never. All the time. Like, that is how they dress in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I have not been on that street. Yeah. So I, 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 it's just unbelievable to me. And look, the market will speak. You know, the market spoke to Target and Target stopped marketing their toys to different genders. So it's not like these are costumes for um, a 16-year-old wear or, or even like a 6-year-old. They're not They're not marketed as like size 6X, size 7, right. size 8, where you might get into like different sizes for different genders. They're small, medium, and large. There is no reason to divide them up by gender at all. There is right. no excuse for this. No, if your girl really wants to dress up like a cop, then she should know what a cop dresses up like. Yep. Like right. that's like a bizarre Right. And I, I actually think it's a cautionary tale for girls. You want to dress like a cop, you're going to have to wear an extremely unflattering outfit yes. every day. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's nothing be you can do about it. There, there's, and it's polyester, so you'll sweat. There's no way to make that look good, just like there is no way to make those those costumes look right, good. Right. Like it's it's right. very similar. I mean I understand they need girl and boy models. Right. Showing costumes. Like, I get it. But why the girl costume is a blue satin shiny dress with a ruffle on the ruffle on the bottom really did me in. I was like, wow. But they're like that for everything. It's like it's like Dr. Barbie. It's like there's like the doctor version. There's and, you know, it reminded me a little bit of the whole flack last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was when the view when they made fun of nurses, the nurses of the Miss America contestant who was a nurse and came out in her in scrubs and a stethoscope and yeah. basically delivered a monologue about being a nurse. And their assumption was that she they didn't realize she was actually a nurse. They thought it was like a bizarre costume choice. Oh. And, and it wasn't sexy and it wasn't like what the hell is she doing coming out wearing scrubs? And, and I think Joy also said something like if she's a nurse, why does she have a stethoscope? Yes. Right. Yes, they were basically making fun of her for making, making that and making fun of nurse and nurses. making fun of nurses yeah. the whole thing. Meanwhile, um, and then boy, did they have to eat crow. But it reminded me of like a really weird moment of this because you would never see a Scrubs costume as a nurse costume in a Halloween store. It would be sexy nurse. Yeah, it would be right. the little like red crossy, you know, white yeah. tight ruffled garter belt. But what shocks <laughs> what shocks me the most about this? Is I mean, sexy nurse. That that's like a male fantasy that's gone on forever. Like for grown ups or whatever. Well, for grown ups, whatever. But what really shocks me about it is that we've all seen these girl costumes forever, and it's we're so inured to it. That's the saddest part is yeah. that we've all seen it, and right. it took this woman writing this letter to like be like, oh right, that really is awful and sucks. Right. And we're just so used to seeing it yeah. that we don't even recognize that, that has nothing to do with dress up. Yeah. Right? That has nothing to do with what actual pretend play is. But it really proves, what you just said, Nancy, really proves how pervasive this is. Because, like, if we're going to be tricked by this, right. think of how it's getting into the heads of toddlers. When when they look up at that, uh, at that wall at Party right. City and see their choices, that has to be affecting them. So, you know that scene in Private Benjamin? Like, I'm totally dating myself. I love that movie <laughs> so much. But um, I was, like, making a list of movies I wanted my daughters to see. And so Houseboat. Private Benjamin. So, no, but Private Benjamin, there's that scene where... 
where they give her the uniform, the green, and she's like, does this come in other colors? <laughs> <laughs> like that, but you think about it, like these girls are gonna grow up, like let's say you want to be a cop. Like that is so bizarre that that would be an image in a girl's head of what a yeah. cop would look like, would dress like, that that would ever be appropriate for catching a criminal. Right. Um, you know, right. that there's something but so... It's, the same on it's TV. basically saying you cannot be a cop when but, you grow up because there is no such thing as an actual girl cop. This is what a girl cop would look like. And this doesn't exist. But it's the same thing on TV now. Like, I, w- I, I didn't even know Castle was still on the air. But evidently <laughs> it is. And they... Um, and that woman, whoever she is, who I... Sorry, very gorgeous, cannot act her way out of a paper bag. Who stars in it? They have her. She's supposed to be this like super cop, and the men are and, still like, they're wearing like heels. beautiful out, you know, suits. Right. But whatever, at least they're in like pants and shoes. You can walk. She's wearing seven inch spiked right. heels and her like low slung pants with her, like seriously, with her and unbuttoned she's, and button she's, down. Right, and she's running down the street. It's the most ludicrous thing, and well, it's still. It's like my sister in law wrote a piece that was on. Um, Medium a couple weeks ago about how we why TV needs to take more responsibility. They need to have a girl MacGyver. They need to have women scientists portrayed in these shows that aren't sex pots and dressed like that. That this is not just a, a small thing. This is a huge influence that these girls don't have real role models, and the role models that they do put on television for the most part are complete crap and not realistic at well, all. Like Jillian Anderson used to say that it was mm-hmm. it was such a confusing sexist but anti-sexist bit um uh, <laughs> Nancy's phone <laughs> Talk, okay that's hilarious for this whole technology episode um what was that ringtone was I that dream I dream of Jeannie it's a I dream of Jeannie theme song <laughs> love it the um, most sexist TV show all time <laughs> yes so so appropriate talk about dressing like a, <laughs> like a so, genie it was, yes, very, it was very realistic that is that's what genies look like, like. <laughs> totally um so anyway, so Jillian Anderson needs to talk about how um, it was this really weird combination of sexism and reverse sexism because David Duchovny, you know, he could get beaten up. He could get his ass kicked. She was never allowed to get her ass kicked. She always had to be the ass kicker, but she always had to do it in heels, right. you know? So it's like this weird combination of, you know, we're not going to let you be weak because you're a woman, but you're not going to be able to dress in a way where you would actually fight people. It's it's I so will say weird. It again, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> right? Just get your girls watching because she kicks ass and she's wearing Doc Martens. Um, <laughs> totally appropriate. Yeah, what happened to her? She's awesome. She was on that horrible, that bad CBS show with Robin Williams that I think now oh. can't happen. Um, so anyway, Halloween. I'm going to just say one more thing about Halloween, which is Pinterest. <laughs> Halloween is, I think, the worst mom guilt Pinterest holiday (laughs) of all. You go on Pinterest and you, I mean it is unbelievable what people do, what people create, what people make. And I don't think that many people do it anymore. I think most people are going on Party City and buying these crapola costumes. But maybe this is something for people to think about. Like make your own costume and then your kid's not in some nasty girl cop thing but then it doesn't have to take tons of sewing skills and it doesn't have to take like go on pinterest and be inspired by people who are doing really cool funky weird stuff or not or go on just be like i hate all these people who make i mean i just it is unbelievable to me what's on pinterest and what people do and the creativity and my brother-in-law used to make these unbelievable costumes for my nephew and he was until he was nine an only child and they had another one so my brother-in-law always used to and unbelievable costumes like you can't even imagine 
And he said he was going to write a book called Halloween Costumes for the Only Child. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it was a one kid. And then by the time my little nephew was growing up and old enough to have Halloween costumes, they were like, yeah, party city. <laughs> right. It was all over. So funny because my mom, she's a great seamstress, and she used to make my costumes. And I'm sure in retrospect they were awesome, but I just wanted the packaged one. Yeah, my I was so sad. My mom made mine, too, and they were awesome, and I did not want the packaged no, one. No, I, I wanted I wanted the cheap mask with the thing that would break. And oh, no. yeah, with the weird I, little mouth hole. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah where so you get all sweaty. I was a piece of juicy fruit gum, and my mom <laughs> took a box, like a straight cardboard box, and she cut out armholes and she covered it in yellow crepe paper and put like tin foil around the top and the bottom, and she wrote the juicy fruit on it, and it was like the greatest costume ever. And I fit That's into awesome. the box with the head, and my head was sticking out. And then the I was in fifth grade, and the sixth grade boys chased us with shaving cream, and I couldn't run because I couldn't get <laughs> on my knees. <laughs> bad cartoon. I was like, clonk, 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 and I fell over, and they ruined my costume because they covered it with shaving cream. Oh, no. That's, that's horrible. Just I was a can of Tropicana orange juice one year, and my best friend Zoe at the time was a can of Del Monte peas, and our moms <laughs> made both of our costumes. That's awesome. And um, it was great, but I... I don't know. Halloween, it just brings out the worst. It's like either we have these conversations about these ridiculous, inappropriate, way too sexy. In this case, it's not even just about sexy. It's just about wrong, just totally wrong costumes and wrong messages to girls about what it means to be these professions or if they could be a profession. And and we have the mom guilt, like, you should be making the costume. I have to say, my mother hated Halloween, like, hated it. So the fact that she made my costumes (laughs) really shows incredible devotion. She thought it was, like, disgusting. Or absolute boredom on her part. (laughs) She was (laughs) like, damn it, I'm going to do something creative. Well, she was working. She was creative. But she said, but I think she... um, she thought it was just a holiday, like you're just going around begging for food from people. It is kind of gross. Stand <laughs> I actually had that feeling, like, so we live in New York City, right? So my daughter's will trick or treat in a building, right? And the hall from a building is, I mean, it's truly obscene. Like it got to the point where it was so gross. It was just, they would go to their friend's building. They probably hit, I don't know, 30, 40 apartment. Like you could just this massive building. And it was pounds and pounds and pounds of candy that you don't even. My kids don't even like candy. I don't even want. It. Well, I, it away. I was like, divide. We would just, I mean, as soon as we get home, we're like, me, me. But I ended up throwing it out because right. it was disgusting. It really was disgusting. You started to feel like, what is the point of all these people just buying all this candy? I like the mean mom. Is like, have a toothbrush. No, that was, <laughs> that was my college roommate. I was like, no one wants your stupid toothbrush or your Air Pop popcorn in the Ziploc bag. Ew. First of all, no one's allowed uh, to eat that. Yeah, weirdo. Yeah. All right, so that's Halloween. <laughs> Send us your pictures. I want to see Halloween pic. I loved. I do. Oh, have I'm going to send. I'm going to give Halloween you my pictures. juicy fruit. I have I, we have to see that. All right, we'll put that. Oh, I don't know if I have my Tropicana. I have to ask my mom because that would be like an actual picture, which means it has to be found <laughs> in a yeah. box of something. All I know is that every costume that I wore was always kind of ruined because I lived in Buffalo, so every costume oh. either had a coat over it or no. under it. That was the biggest bummer. <laughs> under it. That's the biggest bummer. That's <laughs> worse. Uh, the whole thing. The coat. Our kids don't have that with things to go. It's hard to be a sexy nurse when you're wearing a snorkel coat. Right. (laughs) I mean, when we got to when we moved to Brooklyn and we had our first Thanksgiving or our first Halloween with kids here, and it was like 65 degrees. I was like, oh my god, this is life changing. But it wasn't like that growing up here, so it's it has gotten bizarrely warmer. There were so many Halloweens we had to wear a coat. Oh, that is so scary. Yeah. Yeah, it's global. That's oh, it's another global warming yeah, conversation. Yeah, another all right, podcast. well, it's good for Halloween. It's not good for the other days of the year. Exactly. All right, we'll be right back with our Bites of the Week. Welcome to Play. 
Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Okay, we are back with our Bites of the Week. And Amy always goes first because she's afraid <laughs> someone's going to steal it. Nope. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, so... Um, I, I love this one. If you haven't been watching uh, John Oliver and last week tonight, for the whole time it's been on, you're really missing out. But you you really have to look up last Sunday's because um, he did a segment on refugees, mostly Syrian refugee, refugees. And he talked to this teenage girl who was disabled. She's in a wheelchair. She had been through a lot to escape to where she escaped to. I forget where they did the segment from. Um, but, you know, now she's a refugee and she's having a really hard time. And her English was perfect. It's, I mean, she spoke English better than I do. And the reporter asked her where she learned English. And she explained that it was from watching Days of Our Lives. And she was really upset that this one character had died. So you have to go watch the end of the episode, What John Oliver Did for This Girl. I'm not going to give it away, but it <laughs> is... I almost feel like... Like, he didn't give her a house. He didn't, like, get her right. to the United States. It was almost better. That's awesome. Yeah, you have to watch it. You have, So my favorite, um, you know, people put up all these memes about the Syrian refugees, like people being so homophobic and xenophobic. Not homophobic. Xenophobic. <laughs> and Gay refugee crisis. Homophobic probably that, too. But um, they put up a picture of Steve Jobs with Steve Wozniak in their garage and it said like son of a Syrian refugee building a clock in the garage yeah. <laughs> like, my son saw him the other day oh yeah really? well he was yeah. in New York to do some New York, yeah. oh wait were we talking about the clock kid or, yeah, the clock or kid. Wozniak no, okay. the clock kid. <laughs> yeah he was in New York to do a bunch of shows he was on uh, the well, nightlife show he was at the Y and Avery was at the Y so he saw him there oh. Oh. yay alright Nancy that's um, your bite I have two. I have one that um, I probably shouldn't do because it's on a competing podcast network. But <laughs> I do a podcast um, every week. <laughs> every week, I'm like, so <laughs> my my, I'm I'm a big This American Life person. I think it's a little uneven, but I am a big This American Life person. But this past week, they or it wasn't from this week. I just am behind. So one week <laughs> in the recent weeks, they did something from Radio Rookies, and Radio Rookies is from WNYC, and it's a program that goes into schools with at-risk high school kids and teaches them how to make radio stories and then records those stories for them and they Neat. play them on the podcast. And it was an incredibly depressing Radio Workies podcast because it was about a 14-year-old girl with a 21-year-old abusive boyfriend and she talks about the abuse and how she got away. And again, I won't, it's not that much of a spoiler because this is what happens in most abusive relationships over the course of the recording she talks about how she's gotten away from him and then goes back several times mm. so it's back and forth so that was it's a great podcast you can find it on This American Life but you can also find it on Radio Rookies as well as the other stories they do plus I just think it's great work that they're doing that they send these volunteers they say that this girl who had not gone to school for almost six months before she started in the program went every day while she was participating in Radio Rookies wow that's awesome um, my other one is totally totally bizarre and no one will have it because it's totally bizarre <laughs> and it is the opposite of all of this it is the lowest tech thing imaginable and i am weirdly weirdly obsessed with it it is called i swear to god it is called the peach pit spaghetti scrubber and i don't know what possessed me to buy it on amazon but i bought it on amazon when i was buying stuff for my new kitchen and it is a scrubber 
for your it's like you know it couldn't be more low tech than that for your <laughs> for your sink or for your glassware or for stuff you don't want to get scratched and it is made out of peach pits and it looks like a big blob spaghetti <laughs> but it's like made out of compressed peach pits and you don't need to use detergent that's I, so weird i am telling you it cleans everything it wow. is, and it doesn't scratch and must be anything. biodegradable. Yeah, and it's biodegradable. I can scrub my stainless steel sink with it. I use it. My husband uses a lot of chapstick, so there's always like a ring around the top of the glass. <laughs> Gone. Doesn't scratch anything, and it's biodegradable. So they last like three or four months. It's uh, $9 per pack of two. And um, wow. I'm weirdly, weirdly obsessed with my like big blob of peach bits okay. that's in my sink. You, you know that I'm like the queen of kitchen gadgets, right? Oh. I am upset that I've never heard of this. All right. it, it, I mean, it's not a gadget. It is like a mass of, I don't know what. I, no, I count I a gadget as anything that like does one thing. And that does one very specific okay, thing. Okay, well then I will tell you the other thing I really like in my kitchen too, <laughs> which is a magnetic towel holder that sticks to the side of your sink. And then you can put your sponge cloth or your dishcloth inside the sink hanging. Uh, I, mm. have a, I have a suction cup one. I like the magnet. It actually, it works pretty well. But the spaghetti scrubber, but goodbye detergent, right. peach pit spaghetti wow. scrubber. Pretty awesome. The not sponsored. Pit. Just a weird <laughs> obsessive thing. not sponsored because who's <laughs> ever heard of it? <laughs> um, okay, so my bite of the week is I have been spending, I don't know, it's just a confluence of events, but I've been spending a lot of time um, talking to people and thinking about how technology impacts every single thing we do in and every other discipline so that it shouldn't be its own thing and I'm talking a lot about teaching computer science in the schools but how it is integral to the arts and how it's integral to um, science and math and reading and language and how you don't have to pick one thing so I, I hate this idea that you're like a math or science kid or you're an arts kid or you're because I think it's just a bunch of ridiculousness and last night I was um lucky enough to be at a dinner with Microsoft and the Clinton Global Initiative and the woman who gave like the main keynote speech which I'll look up her name because of course now I can't remember it was just like this brilliant mathematician this brilliant, and she said basically she had to make a choice between artist or math at mm. some point in her life like those are two things and she realized this like the beauty and the eloquence of math and how it impacts art and she works with like glass blowers who are using technology to create these 3D, like it was just incredible, glass sculptures and all this stuff. Um, so I've been having this conversation with my daughters a lot because they're looking at high schools in New York City, and New York high schools, for better or worse, have become incredibly specialized. And I think for worse, for worse. <laughs> and it's been very hard to find a school that has a balance of both, of really strong science and really strong humanities that isn't just like this behemoth of a school. You know, this isn't this massive school. So one of the things I did this week was bought my daughters Oliver Sacks, uh, the man who mistook his wife for a hat. Mm, great book. I love Oliver Sacks. He was the first like medical doctor I ever read. Like uh, that, and part of the reason I bought it for them, aside from it's one of my favorite books, is to show them that he could be a brilliant doctor and a brilliant writer, mm. and that you don't have to be one or the other. And that it's actually the biggest gift is to be able to be both, to be able to mm. take what you're doing in the sciences or in the arts and be able to translate it in other ways. So that is my bite of the week, is the man who mistook his wife for a hat. Nice. If your children have not ever read 
I don't know how you would even describe medical nonfiction, or you might think like that's the weirdest thing ever. Um, if you have a teenager, I would highly, highly, highly recommend it. It is an incredible way into medicine um, to read about these stories in a really human way. And also Awakenings, which is probably his most famous book because it was made into a movie. Um, but I don't it's like that. The Robin as much Williams as theme. It is the Robin Williams Day. Um, but that is it. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Nancy, for being here. Yeah. Last minute <laughs> notice. <laughs> and we wish, wish Andrea well. Yes. And you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash parenting bites. Send us your Halloween pictures. Um, tell us what you thought of today's podcast. You can tweet us at hashtag parenting bites. You can find us on iTunes, of course. Rate us, review us, share us um, at Parenting Bites on iTunes. And, of course, on Play.it, where you will find Parenting Bites and all the other CBS podcasts. Until next week, bye. Happy fall. Bye.